Welcome to Econoday Unplugged. It is Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. I am Ann Picker, Econoday's Chief Economist, and with me are Jeremy Hawkins and Mark Pender. Jeremy is in London and Mark is in Pennsylvania. Jeremy, your favorite themes are once again front and center this week, Brexit and inflation. Indeed, they are. Sadly, from the Brexit side, it must be said, because as people might have seen just when it all finally seemed to be going so well, um, things have fallen apart. Effectively, there were three main sticking points going into next week's key EU EU Leaders Summit, which is one of the big focal points for all investors at the moment. Um, We had to deal with uh, the size of the actual Brexit bill itself. Um, We had to deal also with um, the the Irish summit issue. And that's one of the big things which um, is is really currently currently troubling. Um, It does seem at the moment as if uh, the Irish problem could be much more of a major sticking point than originally thought. And what do I mean by this? Well, essentially what we've come down to is that uh, in a nutshell, I mean, Ireland has two parts. We've got the South, which is an independent EU state in its own right, and the North, which, of course, is part of the EUK. Now, once the UK finally leaves the EU, and hence at the single market and the customs union, so once Brexit has actually taken place, there's going to be, have to be a border somewhere between it and the European Union. And strictly speaking, it really should be the North and Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland, because Southern Ireland will still be part of the EU. The North, because it's part of the UK, won't. However, for political and economic reasons, no one wants any kind of border across the country. So one option was to leave the current free trade arrangement across the north and the south and effectively shift the border to the Irish Sea. So between the UK and the Irish landmasses. Now, that's sort of relatively simple as an option. However, and this is where you know, UK politics gets really important because the pro-Brexit Ulster Unionists, uh, the, the DUP party, refuse any kind of border between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK. And that, of course, becomes of crucial importance because it's the DUP with their 10 seats in the UK Parliament that are effect- effectively keeping Mrs May minority conservative government in power. So it really means at the moment the prime minister is caught between a rock and a hard place. And it's extremely unclear to see how this Irish issue can be resolved. I think there's quite a lot of hope at the moment, but the DUP are really just seeking to score some political points and, and would ultimately accept some form of compromise regarding whatever the border is going to look like. If that can't be the case, it's going to be, well, either a hard Brexit or quite possibly the Prime Minister's UK government could actually fall. And the pound's been all over the place on, on the back of the ongoing talks taking place at the moment. Um, and indeed, even if we do see some kind of deal reached for the Irish, we've already had comments coming out from uh, north of the border in Scotland that if the Northern Irish can get a special deal, what about them? Because the Scots wanted to remain in the European, in, in the European Union in the first place. So all in all, Brexit at the moment is a right royal mess. Um, it's not to say that they can't resolve this issue, but it does mean that uh, ahead of next week, EU leaders meeting um, there's going to be an awful lot of politicking taking place and it's probably going to make for what it will make for an extremely political volatile volatile political backdrop for UK asset markets um, you mentioned inflation has quickly touched on that because it's just underlines the ongoing problem still facing uh, the European Union at the moment at least I suppose I should say that the ECB by and large that the real economy data of the eurozone is still quite good 
although we did have poor October retail sales figures today. But the real issue, of course, as we've talked about before, is inflation. And the November flash report only showed inflation on a headline basis at 1.5% year-on-year. That was less than expected. But more importantly, the two core measures were also un- were unchanged at 0.9% and 1.1%. So in other words, it just underlines the ECB's belief that we still have to have more quantitative easing in the Eurozone next year. Although the ECB will be pleased with the way the real economy appears to be shaping up at the moment, chances are when uh, Mario Draghi holds his press conference next week, he's still going to adopt something of a fairly dovish tone. So we're not expecting him to get really excited about the growth numbers. I wouldn't go down that road. I think he's still going to be disappointed about the lack of underlying inflationary pressures. And that's it for me. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, The Reserve Bank of Australia kept its policy interest rate unchanged last night at 1.5%, where it's been for about 14 months. Uh, In his statement, Governor Philip Lowe noted that while both the consumer price index and underlying inflation measures were running below 2%, the bank maintained its forecast for inflation to, quote, pick up gradually as the economy strengthens. The most interesting change in the governor's statement last night was surrounding the Australian dollar. The bank has consistently indicated that the dollar has effectively been too high. It is expected to contribute to continued subdued price and pressures on in the economy. It is also weighing on the outlook for output and employment. But in this statement, Lowe merely mentioned noted that the Australian dollar remains within the range that it has been over the past two years. This comment indicates that the governor is now reasonably comfortable with the level of the Australian dollar. The RBA is on summer break in January and will meet again the first Tuesday of February. On tap tonight is the Reserve Bank of India. And tomorrow, the Bank of Canada is expected to keep its policy unchanged, unsure what the Reserve Bank of India will do. Mark, I have three words for you. Okay, okay. Taxes, taxes, taxes. Taxes, taxes, taxes. Well, (laughs) it's uh, a momentous uh, moment here in uh, Washington. Uh, the first major tax overhaul in uh, over 30 years. It's what it really boils down to, and it really comes out to it. I think ultimately it's an inflation story for us. Uh, we're talking about lack of inflation and in, in your outlooks. R- right here, we have full employment, and we're having a stimulus package with this tax uh, tax initiative, $1.5 trillion over 10 years. So it's 100, adding $150 billion um, to the economy which is stimulative, uh, but it's at a time when there's no slack right now, very little slack in the, uh, in the employment, in the labor market, which really means it's going to either have to bring in discouraged workers or it's going to raise demand for immigrants. Um, in any case, it raises the risk of a wage inflation flashpoint, which we haven't seen yet. Uh, but it's interesting. It's kind of counter-Keynesian because we're getting a stimulus uh, when the economy is at full employment. Um, it's uh, it, it it will be an interesting time how it plays through. It's very complex. It's really quite unknown exactly how these effects are going to play out. It's probably going to stimulate corporate uh, tax uh, 
uh, cuts more than uh, individual tax cuts. Looking, it depends on how you look at the numbers and what your uh, forecasts are. But I'd say, looking at from where I'm looking at, it looks like maybe a hundred billion dollars extra from the corporate side going into the corporate side, and maybe fifty billion dollars going in to the pockets of consumers. So it's a big moment. It's hard for Republicans not to vote against a tax cut. So I think, uh, despite the uncertainties right now, Washington, it's interesting that the Republicans finally did. Uh, get their ideology together and uh, go ahead with this move. It, it still has to work its way through Congress, but it looks like it's probably going to go. Mark, can I ask you a quick one about the sure. tax cuts? I read uh -huh. somewhere, I don't know about it, but the, in terms of the tax cuts to the consumer, uh -huh. is, is it right that most of the benefits are going to accrue to the more wealthy? So those mm -hmm. with perhaps the lower marginal propensities to spend, or is, or is that not the case? Well, it's hard to tell exactly. Uh, they're still reconciling the two bills from the, the House and the Senate. Uh, it does uh, lower the tax rates on the very wealthy. And of course, there's an estate tax uh, that has been raised uh, on the Senate side, but that will uh, allow the very rich, or up to a point twenty million, in an estate not to be taxed, which is a, you know, which is a very nice thing if you have a lot of money to pass to your family. But if for the uh, average person, it's going to double their their standard deduction, uh, which is going to actually make it easier to pay your taxes, less item itemization. Um, there's uh, uh, child uh, tax credits are going to go up. Uh, the tax brackets are coming down. Um, so there is stimulus, uh, stimulant uh, on the uh, consumer side or on the household side. But I think it's really aimed at the corporate side. You know, the headline is it's com coming down from 35% to 20%. But I've been looking at the numbers and um, – Corporate taxes, are, it depends on how you measure them, but they're roughly at a, at a holding steady over the last um, uh, five or six years at uh, about uh, $2 trillion a year. After taxes, you're talking then about $1.6 trillion. Depends on how you measure it, but that's probably going to to uh, you know add in that's going to narrow probably come down to 1.5 trillion something like that um, now whether that justifies what we've seen in the stock market you know the uh, capitalization of the stock market just zooming up 25% this year um, that's another question uh, it's pulling forward um, the benefits uh, uh, the profit benefits from uh, these new laws but maybe pulling it forward into an exuberant way—it's—it's uh, <laughs> hard to say. But it's mostly for the—it's mostly going to bet—it's aimed at benefiting the corporate side the most and really simplifying the individual side. But it's going to help both sides. Do you and, think it'll have any impact it, it, on? There were also, Sorry. Mark, which mm -hmm. shouldn't be unsaid, substantial differences between mm -hmm. the Senate and the House uh, tax bills. And there are some things that are covered by one mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that have left, un been left unchanged, mm -hmm. and there are others that will make things worse for a good section of. Yeah, the they still have to reconcile it, but uh, I think that these are, you know, I, I think these are marginal. I don't think that these will stand in the way of the Republicans still getting their fifty votes. Uh, I think compromise is what they'll need, um, and the House will probably give it to the Senate, considering how uh, uh, narrow that margin is in the Senate right now. Um, so this still has to work out. It's still not a done deal, and you're right, but it probably will be, and uh, and it probably will definitely. Uh, uh, be benefiting um, corporations, and whether or not it depend it uh, 
benefits the rich individual taxpayer more than uh, than the middle class. Uh, the rich always get richer, right? So <laughs> that's one of the iron. Mark, do you think do you think out. it's got any any immediate implications for Fed policy? Because I must say, just looking at the currency well, markets, well, and the dollar the dollar's hardly reacted at all. No, well, that's what the interesting thing is. You're getting a, a contrast now between the, the fiscal stimulus and the Fed is withdrawing stimulus. So you're getting counter. And I've been talking about this, I guess, uh, for the last year or so. You're getting a contrast. You're getting uh, they're not working in sync. And I think and ultimately this really will be an in interesting inflation story and specifically a wage inflation story because you're going to be stimulating the economy when there's a, a, a lack of available labor. And so that's not really when you're supposed to do this. And so and the repercussions of this, which is the Fed has to watch, is the, the inflationary risk. And maybe in the end it'll be good because we do need inflation and wages do need to go up. So... Uh, it's an interesting counter in, in the history of economics and Keynesian policy. It's kind of a, a this is a, a clouded time. Mark, there's another story in the U.S. that needs, I think, is worthy of mentioning. Mm -hmm. And that is that on Friday, um, the government goes unfunded yeah. without an extension in Congress. And the big question is how far they're going to kick the ball down the road in extending the ceiling for borrowing going forward. Well, we'll have to find out. They've already extended it once. I guess I, they can probably extend it again. But now there's a new harmony here with the Republicans, and they, and they, and they hold the key. They can do it by themselves. So my, my sense is that the risk of a significant uh, shutdown that might last more than a few days is probably pretty remote. But it's always something, isn't it? It's not the Washington <laughs> is, is so noisy. It's not allowing you know the economics or the economy to quietly go normalcy like the old Republican administrations in the 1920s. Of course, that led to the depression. But uh, there's you know it's not the laissez-faire era anymore. I guess. On that note, and question, uh, we'll end for today. Thanks, guys. <laughs>